Hello everyone and thank you for joining me for this podcast. Acne vulgaris, or commonly called acne, is a chronic inflammatory skin condition that particularly affects adolescents. It's the disorder of the sebaceous glands in the skin that produce sebum, which is a fatty secretion that lubricates the hair and skin. Now, the lesions or the spots are the most numerous on the face and on the neck. In fact, you find that in about 99% of sufferers. On the back, which you find roughly in about 60% of people with acne, and about 15% have it on the chest. Now, acne usually occurs at puberty, and it clears sort of by the mid-20s, but a more persistent form may continue up to about 40 years of age, especially in women who have premenstrual exacerbations, or flare-ups as we call them. Now, let's talk about the characteristic signs of an outbreak. Well, they could include something called seborrhea, which is excessive production of sebum, leading to the greasiness of the skin, and it predisposes the skin to acne. But it's not a cause in itself. Then there are comedones, tiny nodules on the skin, which first appear as whiteheads above the pores and above the follicles. And they develop into what we know as blackheads. There's papules, or raised red spots, that appear after blackheads rupture, causing skin irritation. Skin scarring, apologies there. And that's a result of essentially picking and squeezing the lesions. And skin lesions themselves, which uh, separate pus. Now, young males in particular may develop those highly inflamed pustules. And then there's something called cystic acne, or skin cysts, which may arise from the pustules after they rupture. Now, in this case, scarring of the skin is common. What I want to do in this particular podcast is just talk through the causes, the diagnosis and incidence of acne, some of the treatments, and maybe look at in a bit more detail about the prognosis and ways we can actually prevent acne vulgaris from flaring up. So acne results from a combination of factors, in fact. Overactive sebaceous glands produce large amounts of sebum, which is unable to escape and it becomes infected by bacteria. Now, fatty acids are broken down in the glands, leading to inflammation. Sebaceous activity is dependent on androgen, or the male type hormones, and it's the balance of these that's found to be disturbed in about 50 to 60% or so of female acne patients. Cosmetics, skin preparations and shampoos can all cause acne, especially in young women. Now, acne is a side effect of treatment with certain drugs, such as bromides, steroids, androgenic hormones, oral contraceptives, and barbiturates. Very rarely, uh, neonatal acne occurs in infants because of maternal hormone imbalance. So if you think about a normal follicle for a moment, normal hair follicles contain sebaceous glands. The glands release lubricating sebum into the follicle or sometimes into the pore on the surface of the skin. Now sebum can accumulate and block the duct, forming a whitehead on the skin. Contact with air causes to harden and darken into a blackhead. Beneath the blackhead, sebum continues to collect, forming a pustule or a cyst on the skin. The gland is ultimately infected by bacteria and it becomes further inflamed. 
Acne is very rarely misdiagnosed, as the signs easily recognised, owing ultimately to the characteristic lesions. The patient is usually aware of the condition before visiting a doctor. Now, acne vulgaris typically appears at puberty, normally sort of a year or two earlier in girls than in boys. And at the age of 16, some degree of acne affects, we think, up to 95% of boys and around 82-83% of girls. The peak incidence is around 14 to 17 years old in girls and about 16 to 19 in boys. Although the condition is not infectious and can't be transmitted, the bacterium Propionobacterium acnes is often present in the spacious glands. Staphylococcus bacteria are also believed to contribute towards the inflammatory effect of acne. So what lines of defence do we have? What treatments are there? Well, many patients, especially adolescents, are quite distressed by the sometimes disfiguring appearance of acne. In mild cases, the lesions persist for up to four, maybe even to six years, but severe cases can last in excess of 12 years. Oral antibiotics and topical preparations, so those applied to the skin, are usually effective against acne. If not, isotretinoin, or tonoin rather, is quite successful, although it is an expensive treatment and it, it may be teratogenic, as in basically causing defects in an, any unborn fetus. It's therefore essential to counsel the patient before commencing therapy and for women to take contraceptive measures when this treatment is prescribed. It's also necessary to monitor blood, the urine and liver function tests during the therapy. Isotretinoin is effective against severe acne because it reduces sebum production and it acts against the bacteria within the pores. By peeling away the very top layers of skin, it helps to prevent excessive scarring. Now that kind of treatment, here we're talking anything between 16 up to 20 uh, weeks or so. The GP or a dermatologist will recommend the best course of treatment when a patient with acne requires medication. Side effects of certain drugs on an individual may necessitate a reduced dose or an alternative. So let's go in a bit more detail about medication. So the severity of the acne really does dictate the most suitable treatment. For mild acne, we're talking something topical, so directly applied therapy. Uh, moderate acne, maybe oral and topical therapy. And as I've mentioned, oral isotretinoin for severe acne. So when we think topical therapy, we're talking about benzoyl peroxide, antibiotic creams or lotions containing tetracycline, erythromycin, uh, clindamycin, azelaic acid, retinoids such as isotretinoin, um, and adapalene, which is an anti-inflammatory. There is something called oral or systemic therapy. So there we give antibiotics such as tetracycline, doxycycline, erythromycin again, uh, clindamycin, and then there's oral contraceptives, so containing the ones that ultimately contain estrogen, which works against the male hormones, and though can be effective in female sufferers unresponsive to the antibiotics that I've just named. Alternatively, hormonal treatments may be given alongside the topical drugs. So they're usually antiandrogens, which suppress CB, apologies, sebum production, uh, such as uh, cyproterone acetate. So let's think about some further treatment that we can look into. So I've, I've mentioned 
uh, about the medication, but what else could we do? I mean, let's think further afield. And so I want to talk about things like diet, uh, hygiene. Well, there's actually let's let's start with surgery because many opt for acne surgery. So things like removal of the comedones and the needling abscesses. There's something called dermabrasion, which is uh, essentially skin layer removal, but that that's rarely used nowadays. Some people go for corticosteroid injection, injections rather, uh, directly into a lesion. There's cryosurgery, so using extreme cold to remove unwanted tissues, and that's occasionally used to remove skin blemishes. We can even use UV, ultraviolet light, because direct sunlight is believed to be beneficial, but sun lamps will only really result in peeling of the epidermis. There's x-ray therapy, which is again rarely used nowadays as it can cause skin cancer in the long term. And diet. Now it's thought by some that certain foods may aggravate acne. So things like chocolate, uh, dairy products, nuts. So avoiding those can help. Not necessarily cure, but can help with the situation. But if we're thinking just basic things that everybody can do, it's good personal hygiene. Experts recommend washing with soap and water at least twice a day. Although acne develops beneath the skin, washing helps prevent the lesions become infected. Ultimately, acne is not caused by dirt, but regular cleansing of the skin will help to minimise the effects and to reduce that infection. Although it's mainly an adolescent condition, acne can occur at any age, depending on the causative factors. However, the prognosis tends to be very good, as the majority of sufferers respond well to drug therapy, which helps markedly in lessening the unpleasant features such as subsequent formation of scars. In the most severe cases, the patient may require psychological counselling. Acne is not preventable, and the vast majority of people will suffer to a degree during particularly the teenage years. However, only a small proportion, thankfully, will have anything more than a mild or moderate form of the condition. Certain measures may lessen some of the effects of acne, as I said, good hygiene and a healthy diet are both factors that can help to control the unpleasant appearance of this condition. So a slightly shorter podcast uh, today, but on a really important topic. So I just wanted to give a little introduction to acne vulgaris, talk about the cause, the effects it can have on the body treatments and the ultimate prognosis. If anyone out there listening has any questions, do get in touch at kytosbiology at gmail.com. And all that uh, remains is for me to say a big thank you to everybody for listening. Till next time.